Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, and I guess Thim's here too. We've already been doing this for 45 minutes. I well, know, I know, yeah. but we need to at least talk about some stuff before Why? we let you go. We have a guest today who we just interviewed, uh, who we'll get to in a moment. But, okay. Alex, let's talk briefly about Grand Prix of Portland. Because you finished on the podium. You started second. You finished second. You were like last at one point. It was a very bizarre race. Uh, not last, but you like you got. I mean, pretty much. Let's talk about. Well, I mean, I do want to talk about that first lap pole thing. Are you allowed to? Uh, I don't care. Sure. Okay. I thought you were making a face like they're like you'd sign no, some I'm NDA not, to not. No, I'm already filtering myself. Right. Okay. <laughs> so it, let's, let's, let's just, we'll get right to it. So WTF. Right. So in the driver's meeting, we were told that if you shot the chicane in turn one, yes, that you gained a lasting advantage. They didn't even say that part. That's like true. that's that's kind of how it always used to be, right? If you cut the chicane and gain an advantage, you'd have to give up that advantage. Totally understand. Now they were basically saying that any car that stayed on track got priority over any car that took the chicane. And I, I even had a conversation with Ryan about it before the start. And he was like, so what if like the leader just flies off the top? Are they going to move all the way to the back? I was like, no, that can't be what they mean. Well, the top four all went straight for very, because Felix ran into everybody in front of him and also didn't get <laughs> make the corner himself, which was very bizarre. Very lucky he didn't break more stuff. And so the top four cars just went straight off the track around, like cut the chicane. Other than Felix, nobody really gained anything from it. Like Felix ended up, 43 cars ahead of everybody but like polo dixon rossi they all kind of came out roughly where they should have like six but, seven eight yeah right yeah so like lost a distinct disadvantage by missing the corner and yep. uh, there was a caution because i was in turn one which so there's always going to be a caution in turn one at portland as long as i'm involved you still haven't made it past turn one sorry sorry buddy mm-hmm. no i sure haven't oh uh this God. time grosjean got a little little brave into one and used my right How front conversions wrong got yeah <laughs> feet meters it's a whole thing um anyway so there was a caution and they moved indycar moved all you guys to the back of the line is that correct how i understood the driver's meeting was that you if you cut the chicane mm-hmm. you must go through the chicane which the was arrows. bolted down and they made a big deal about how it was bolted down and don't drive through it and everything, all at Dalton Kellett 2019, right? <laughs> and that, that chicane was in place to slow you down, and then you had to remerge with where you were, okay? Mm-hmm. They also did mention that if you cut the chicane and there's a yellow, we're going to give priority to the cars that stay on track. I, I guess wrongly, or through common sense, interpreted those two things together to mean if you go through if you don't make turn two and you just go to the inside of the apex curb and jump the apex curb then you're going to get a penalty because not only did you not make an effort to stay on the track you didn't make an effort to go through the designated slowdown area right Right. like the penalty box if you will right as far as alex and scott understood it when i talked to them after the race they were on the same page as I was, which is why we all went massively left hand down to get all the way back to the chicane thing, to go through it, to rejoin the track. So you guys did make it to the chicane? 100%. Like we okay. all were like, 
pointing just straight towards the turn two exit curb. Right. And I kid you not, like on the lock stops to the left, all three of us to get right. back all yep. the way. Yeah. Made the to effort to get over there, to the get effort. through the... So why does that exist? <laughs> if you're then if still going to get a You're still going to go to the back anyways. I, I right. truly cannot comprehend. Because yeah, we, we, already dis twice. we already disadvantaged ourselves handily by right. losing five plus spots. Why then does the person that qualified last get rewarded? So basically, had I stopped and reversed into traffic and then carried <laughs> on, they right. would have viewed that as safer and more acceptable than going through their designated I, I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to look back on... I don't think the rule will be the same next year. Let's put it that way. I think they said something that sounded maybe good in theory. And then once it was actually applied in practice, I didn't like go on Twitter to look at what people were saying about it. I can't imagine a lot of fans were like, this was awesome. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like Felix obviously didn't even try to make turn two. He just committed to going through that chicane. Sure. He exited so far in front of anybody else that like, just going through that clearly isn't a penalty and a slowdown. Like you guys almost made turn two and then had to backtrack to the like safety chicane, whatever. Right. So that was that. That's why you came out sixth. But like right. Felix went in fourth and came out first by twenty five car lengths because of how fast he went through it. So there's, but but even but even he shouldn't be sent to the back. Like that's no. the point. Right. No one should be sent to the back. It should be. You get reordered based on the advantage that you gained. I mean, in, in in a very, very specific example of Felix in this case, I actually would have penalized him because he hit both the nine and the ten okay. that caused right. them to miss the chicane. So in the, in the yes. very unique set of circumstances, right. and that can be like, you know what, that actually probably deserves something. So but are anyway. you saying in the race, had someone missed it, they get sent to the back again? But that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, if you just was were racing a guy, because I don't think it happened after that, right? Sure didn't. Well, no. Like, so I I went into turn one like on coldish tires, broke a bit too late, locked some rears, and submarine the car on the curb because right. I was like, well, can't afford to can't lose do that again. ninety yeah. seconds yeah. again. Like, crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, it definitely needs to be revisited. Um, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it all sort of shook out the way no. it kind of should have. It did, um, which I'm I'm very grateful for. You know, every once in a while, the 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 world is kind, right? And the people that started <laughs> one, two, three, finished one, two, three, right? So yes, by us kind of having that, it put us on an alternate strategy. And we always joke about how, yeah, man, Scott's gonna he's gonna get a puncture on lap one, and it's gonna put him on the right strategy, and he's gonna win the race. <laughs> Thankfully, Scott was involved in this whole thing. So I was also a part of that. <laughs> so you saw Scott going wide in turn two. You're Gotta like, I'm it. just going to go where Scott Gotta goes. That's it. how you win this race. That is the ticket. <laughs> so, hey, here we are. And it worked. Scott's engine's going to stop, and you're just going to stop. Yeah, <laughs> turn it off. He's got a plan, I'm sure. <laughs> this is all part of the plan. It's going to be fine. You're just I, on the radio. Guys, it's going to be don't fine. Don't worry. And they're like, no, he blew up. Yeah. Oh. Alex, don't turn the car off. Don't, right. don't turn the car. Don't turn the car. Oh. What are you doing? Mm. I do love the return of Emma Dixon's Twitter. Oh, did she have a? Did she? Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's she cool. wasn't happy with IndyCar. Was she yeah. mad at? She wasn't mad at like drivers though. No, she was mad at IndyCar. Oh. Well, I mean, um, so this so this came up afterwards with many people because like so statistically speaking, we talked about this in our pre-race meetings. There is no track in IndyCar that has a higher um, probability 75%, of a yellow. 75%. Well, now it's gone up now. Yeah, that's probably, probably 78%. Yeah. Whatever. So, And that's like since the 80s. So obviously the festival curves suck and they need to be changed in some way. The alternative is that in the champ car days, they actually used to start them on the back straight. So kind of similar to what we do in, in mid-Ohio. Now, it's very different. You're not going into a first gear chicane. You are going into a fifth gear chicane. That's very much a one lane piece of racetrack. So like getting everybody to sort themselves out through there. That would not happen. It would be also potentially a disaster. No, because what would happen is you'd be able to hang on the outside of 10, but then the guy on the inside would kind of like run you and you'd stay committed. You go on the curb, you get in the dirt, right? Okay? You might survive that, but then it's going to be a dust storm behind you. 
Right. And guys so are going to then just, it's going to be carnage. I think it would be worse. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I need to go back and watch some of those races to see how they did it because I don't remember it being like chaos every time. Quite honestly, I, th I think the only solution if like you're going to try and change it because you don't want it to continue being the way it is, is you got to have like the green flag be thrown super early. Like at the 400. No, like at the 400. No, I think you got to have the green flag thrown when the first two rows are lined up. Oh really? Coming off of twelve, because then you've got you've got four or five cars that are realistically in a shot to pass each other. Sure, I guess everyone else true. is just kind of one. It's, it's basically yeah. a restart, but the first four are right. Okay, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. If you do yeah. it that, everybody's going slow, and they're going to all try to break that little bit later. And I just feel like that would actually end well. That's true. Yeah, yeah, good point. I just need a super early green there, and like, yeah, if you're qualified tenth, and you're not in the front straight yet. You know, tough nuggies. It is what it is. But. It is it is it is a strange one though because like we go to some fairly challenging places mm -hmm. and it's not that like what do you think it is like it's not like so, we got through Nashville <laughs> turn one um no we didn't we didn't start on in turn one no 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 sorry like we got through the green flag there yes we got through the green flag there um we can get through Mid Ohio like. I don't understand why why is Portland so I think it's just I think it's because it's so tight. I think that the issue is so like our cars are fairly long, fairly heavy, and the slower the speed we're going, the worse the handling is. That's just nature of the car, right? So when you look at the radius of turn one at Portland versus like the start of Nashville, so turn nine in Nashville. It Nashville is like a 90 degree corner with a certain amount of width or whatever. And so like you could go side by side through there and it was kind of okay. There wasn't an immediate turn afterwards. Like the radius of turn one, I guess is technically 90 degrees, but then turn two was like 120 degrees. I don't, I don't degrees. think incidents come in turn two. I think all the incidents come breaking for on, one. On the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so why there can we not pull it up in time? Like we can get through Toronto turn one. Like, I just don't understand like why. St. Pete. I mean, it Why is slower. They are. Yeah. It is slower. That's the slowest turn one that we go to. Interesting. I don't know, but it's kind of like it's kind of like you and I. I think it's you and I were talking about this. All all the corners that have a big break zone need to have a super wide exit, so that way you can have the guts to like try something down the inside. And if it doesn't work, the guy just high lows you, but you're still on the racetrack and you still keep going, and it's mm -hmm. fine. Right. The problem there is like if you go wide, you're just cutting the turn two chicane. Well, and you go to the back of the field. When you I mean, you, <laughs> then you're going to be last. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so. I don't know. I mm, it's tough. Something needs to change though. Like it's the fans hate it. The drivers hate it. Yeah. You know, having, having a caution in the first corner every every single time. So we it's dumb. Fix it that yeah. being said, I have to say, despite all of the struggles to get to the West Coast that you know we've all collectively had with COVID and everything. The return of IndyCar to Portland this past weekend from a fan turnout perspective was For sure. awesome. So and like, thank they were you. so yeah, they were so appreciative. All the yep. fans that came so out in a big love way. Love that. Love seeing all those guys there and, and getting to reconnect with some people, which was great. Um other than that, it was a pretty well, I guess I mean the it's other thing short. we can talk about is the schedule was not good. Like it's not I, fun. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. And and you know, you feel so bad for guys like Ryan, Takuma, who yeah. through no fault of their own. Like it's it's to everyone got new engines, at least on the Honda side. You know, it's time for new engines to go in. You know, there's no a, like there was, there's there was no a problem. Test, there's no break yeah, in period, right? Up. So you go practice. And if you there's something wrong, I mean I had a problem as well in practice at the end. Fortunately, it was it was very easy to to resolve it. But um these guys like there's an hour and a half going into qualifying, so they don't even get to qualify. And it's like, what? You're yeah, penalizing people. Basically, zero practice. Through no fault of their own. I, yeah, and and then you go and, like, I mean, thank God there was a warm-up, so they at least got the chance to, like, see the track once before. Kind of, but that was also two hours after qualifying, and for Ryan, like, he was tight on making the warm-up as well. Yeah. Like, it's it's just very strange. And, and all and it takes is one red flag. It's a half-hour warm-up, one red flag. There's five, six minutes gone. So, you know, you're looking at a total of like, Ryan had a total of like 20 usable minutes of track time before the race. And it's just not, that's not, that's not why we do it. It's not like how to go racing. 
you know, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge strain on the teams and, and drivers and everybody. And you're just taking away track time for fans to come watch as well. So I don't, I don't get not having practice. I know that's like a, it's a, in theory, a, a money save thing to try to eliminate a day at the track, whatever, whatever. But I think if you actually pulled the team owners who are the ones spending the money, they would say, no, look, it's more valuable for us to have, you know, the cars on track and get the practice. And, and quite frankly, it's one event because everyone's staying out after Laguna for Long Beach. So everyone's right. there anyways. It is one event we're talking about. I don't think right. team owners are going to throw a fit over a, one night of hotel rooms. No. I for the year yeah so anyway anyways, something that needs to be us. addressed um along with uh cut chicane rules that we will deal with this winter all the chicanery um, all the chicanery so then that's it so we've got a guest we've got a guest, <clears throat> a guest uh, is a close personal friend of the group uh he is a former podcast well not to <laughs> <laughs> i Who like is? brian i just didn't think he liked me no, 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 I wasn't saying that. I was just saying, like, you know, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Simpson, aka Buzzkill Brian, former podcast producer himself, uh, joins us Panther. reluctantly on the show. Fellow Panther, whatever that means. And uh, yeah, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Simpson. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Maybe we got somebody here. We can pretend like I do something. <laughs> he already knows you don't, because he used to do <laughs> just as little as you do when he was a podcast producer himself. So, Looks like everybody, welcome to the show, Buzzkill Brian. So <laughs> is it? Hey, it's hanging in there, isn't it? No, is it bad? No, I, mean, really. I, I don't understand it. It's better now. I'm enjoying looking at you in 480p, though. It's a strong <laughs> video signal we're getting here over your internet. Honestly, I think he looks better in 480p. We, okay, I mean, we hang on. We've talked. Who, who invited you on the show? Space Station. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> We have talked to the International Space Station from space with clearer signal. All right. Okay. So just go ahead and give me NASA's budget, and I'll make sure the internet in my house is pretty neat. <laughs> James's internet is powered by like a diesel generator in the field behind his house. <laughs> yeah, it's, Becky it's is pro- just turning a crank. <laughs> <laughs> it's How propane. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think diesel generators have made it out to his neck of the woods yet. No, it's, yeah, definitely, it's a propane one. Yeah, yeah, Becky's out there cranking. I'm like, oh, sorry, honey. We've been done for like 15 minutes. You can take a break now. Let's be honest. She wouldn't crank. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. All right. So for those of you that are hearing a new voice, um, Brian Simpson is here. Who Buzzkill Brian. Buzzkill Brian, who used to work at IndyCar, then um, left and started his own company called Dream Digital Services which looks after, um, well, Joseph, 
James, Jack, Scott McLaughlin. Who else? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed Carpenter Racing. And then we do project-based stuff for all kinds of different people, like we did your your store recently. Sure. So you basically kind of, you know, saw the opportunity that existed in the IndyCar paddock for drivers who need kind of help with their brand and their image and all that goes along with that. And and so created this company and you already had the contacts because you worked in the series and now you're doing the thing. Yeah. Really so like, what kind I- of independently, like no one else really does that, right? There aren't, there aren't many competitors in the paddock, which is a, a lovely thing for us. Um, Alex, yeah, I start mean, a company. It- yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna call it uh, Sleeping Digital Services. <laughs> nightmare, <laughs> Nightmare Digital. Nightmare Digital. You guys are gonna have tons of clients just on the branding. And, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean we, you know, I worked at IndyCar for a long time, about about ten years, um, and left to go work for Joseph in at the end of seventeen. Um, what what were you doing at IndyCar? Him. Why don't you explain so, what you were doing there? He was buying aside, Alex Rossi oysters and beer. I was doing that one uh, time in a lot of bur- in a lot of bourbon. Um, no, we uh, so I I started at IndyCar and IMS um, as basically an intern in what then was called the new media department because um, it was new social and video and all that stuff um, and worked my way up and was basically running the digital marketing efforts for the series for the last three or four years I was there um, and then just kind of realized I'd for lack of a better term hit a ceiling there. Um, you know, my, my ambitions didn't match what the career path opportunity was for me there, which as much as I love the series and the speedway, um, you know, I, I wanted to do more than I was probably going to be able to do there, at least in the, in the near future. Um, now maybe if I'd stuck around for, you know, five, six more years, maybe one of those opportunities would have come my way, but it's hard to tell, um, you're impatient you know, Rogers and you couldn't wait. Yeah, so. I, I am impatient. Uh, that's, that's something that, uh, people in racing seem to kind of all have is a lack of I think it's called driven. We call it driven. It's a terrible movie too. Um, Awful. Terrible. (laughs) uh, But so, so left, uh, started working for Joseph and after a year, um, basically just had a lot of people calling me and asking me like, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Um, I think at one point or another, probably both of you asked me a question about something here or there. And I kind of just said to Joseph, like, Hey, I think there's an opportunity here where we could do a little bit more. If, if you're keen on that, if you're not, I'm, I'm happy where we're at, but I think we can build something here and, and, um, you know, potentially, you know, be financially successful with this and, and, uh, you know, broaden my workload beyond just you. Um, he said, let's try it. And this is year three now. Um, and we've grown from, you know, one client to five, six now, and, um, we've got some more on the horizon for next year. So it's, it's been good. So is it, is it at all weird? Um, cause Joseph is your business partner, right? So like, I'm sure that was a conversation, you know, because kind of my, my father is is managing or helping guys in Indy Lights. And for sure, there's going to get to the point where, you know, one of those guys is going to make it an Indy car. So he's kind of looking after me and also someone I compete against. Is it kind of a similar thing that you have to think about? Because you're obviously trying to represent all your guys the same, but also, you know, you have a very close relationship and business arrangement with Joseph. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a lot of uh, balance that you have to you have to focus on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can't, I can't go to James and say, Hey, I can't do that because I'm too busy with Joseph. Right. So like I have to be no, more you creative. Cannot. I have to be more creative in my response if I'm too busy with Joseph <laughs> to do something with James. But now I'm um, just going to assume every time you say you can't do something, it's because you're hanging out with Joseph, not even working, just hanging out. Yeah, with just, him. just hanging out. Can you uh, he's not playing Forza or wants- something. And yeah, can you ask Joseph if he wants to do a podcast? Cause <laughs> Because you know, Tim's I, not going to be I employed can, on this one for much longer. I can confidently tell you what the answer is to that. It's, <laughs> no. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, like like I said, it, there's a balance to it. Um, you know, I think the the where I've found the most success with it is just when I'm working with someone, whether it's Joseph, James, Jack, Scott, whatever. Um, I just give them all my attention at that at that time um, and try to make sure that, you know, I'm clearly communicating deadlines and things I'm working on and when things are going to get delivered so that nobody's sitting somewhere saying, Oh, well, I was supposed to get this and it never got done. I wonder if he's doing not, didn't get done because he was doing this with someone else. So do you, do you not find it hard? Like if you're doing videos, cause obviously like you have a style, right? Mm-hmm. Are you, do you actively try and like change the style for each individual guy? Like, is that, that must be very difficult. I can't even imagine. It, it is difficult. Um, yeah. The, the thing I've found the easiest way to kind of differentiate some of that, just because, you're, like you said, I do have kind of like a style of how I shoot, is uh, music. Um, I use a different kind of genre of music for each guy. 
What's, um, what's you know, James's genre? Well, so country western. I can no, I can explain <laughs> this better. So Joseph's genre is like a blonder, more chiseled uh, genre. <laughs> Mine's like a goofy, bearded genre. Uh, Jack is a British, really nice hair genre. So he's like, it's you really got to mix it up. Yeah. Right. If I were to like classify James's music, it'd be like the Benny Hill theme song. Yeah. You know, that nice. right. Good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Alex is uh, just O Fortuna, just. we actually brad and i already used that one in the video for my dog lucy because she also just hates everybody and my i I think that's why that came to hit my mind because my daughter loves that video she like (laughs) will make me play it on repeat for her (laughs) oh glad to hear it glad to hear it um okay so you talk about how you know you shoot in a certain style but obviously with that many clients you're not shooting by yourself you've grown into a team you've got a a group of guys that you kind of bring out to all the races so when you're out there looking for new shooters are you looking for guys that have a similar style to you are you looking for guys that are competent shooters who you can sort of direct a little bit like hey this is kind of how we like to shoot here at dream digital or do you just pick talented shooters and just let them do their thing? Um, I think, I think the thing I've, I've found the most is I want to hire people that are far more talented than I am. So, so it's, a, it's a wide hire. pool that you're hiring from <laughs> <laughs> pretty much anybody, but it's pretty yeah. much leaves the whole internet open. Um, I don't but, currently uh, have a job next year. Do you need a shooter? I mean, I guess. <laughs> hey man, you're hired. Uh, we don't pay very well though. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, I, I try not to impart too much uh, creative in- input into the shooters we hire. I mean, you know, Alex Wong, he's he's a freak. Like, he's probably the, the best photographer in IndyCar. I mean, he's he's out of control, talented, and I'm not in a position to go to him and say, hey, Alex, like that photo, but I would have done this. Like, I'm not going to do that <laughs> to him. Like, um, if anything, I'm looking for, you know, tips and insight from him on how I can get better. Um, and I, I take that approach with everybody we hire. I mean, you know, I think the people we hire, we hire them for a reason and, and the content we create, we try to make look different than maybe what everyone else is doing, um, in the IndyCar media world. Um, now there's some stuff you have to do that's for press releases and things like that. That's maybe a little bit less on the creative side of things, but, um, shooter wise, like really just looking for people that have a creative eye and maybe see things a little bit differently than people that have been shooting motorsports for, you know, 20, 30 years. So you kind of just brought up press releases and I, I'm curious to get your take being, you know, in the industry and such. Does anyone read them? Like, I know, no. I know we have to do them. So, okay. So if everyone knows that no one reads them, why are they, why are, why? So I used to have a sign above my desk when I worked at IndyCar that um, basically said there are no more dangerous words in the English language than this is the way we've always done it. Sure. That's that's IndyCar. Well, it's motorsports. It's not IndyCar. I mean, it's teams. It's it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's it's but it's the sport as a whole. Like press releases are still this kind of just, you know, it's the old reliable. Like we're going to send them an email with a document in it and they're going to open it and then they're going to want to write about us. And what ends up happening in most circumstances is delete. There's a whole bulk group of outlets that just take the thing and just copy and paste it into a website and say, like, here's the article about Rossi's, you know, whatever. Um, but then you have a handful of guys who already knew what was coming because they got a heads up from the team. So the Marshall Pruitts or the Jenna Fryers or whatever, they've already had interviews with you. They've written their own content, so they don't need the press release. So it's just, it's a, there's probably some merit in it, but I think it's a little bit of a archaic form of, of communicating information to media. So I think I think on certain situations like you are kind of inferring about like driver announcements and sponsorship announcements like that kind of makes sense. But like people that are doing press releases at the end of each event or session, I, it baffles me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was an era where a lot of riders that weren't able to come to the paddock or come to racetracks. That's how they got their information, right. um, you know, to cover a session and, and social didn't exist. And it was just, you know, that's it, it probably was the big of, thing, right? Is social. Yeah, for right. sure. Right. So, well, the way everybody consumes media has changed so much. Right. So like, you don't, you can send a video, you can send a post, you can, you know, you don't have to do this kind of old form, long form press release stuff. And um, you know, there's probably going to be some media member that's going to tweet at you guys after this and say like, I love these. You, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And maybe I don't, I mean, I've only don't worked care. in digital media my whole life. And so yeah, I'm going to guarantee uh, whoever, whoever's listening and is going to send us that tweet, Alex isn't going to read it. 
<laughs> Much like the press release. Yeah. Have you, like knowing that some sites will just automatically copy and paste press releases, are you ever tempted to like hide something in there? Yeah, I was just saying, like you just drop words in there just to see if anyone picks up that you said today, you know, in, in turn pineapples. Uh we we had and just to see if anybody actually picks it out. Just like um, spell something out with the first letter of each sentence. <laughs> um so so thankfully uh i don't send press releases um you know we're we're a digital media company so i I thankfully don't have to write very many of these things or or send them out but if i did um i would say there was probably a pretty strong chance i would do something along those lines just to (laughs) see if people are actually reading the whole thing but um, there was a there was a sports car team a while back that did a press release that was a mad libs and i forget who magnus racing there you go they deserve so much credit it was brilliant it was so funny um and then the other one that's always exactly the same is when a new driver tests with a team those ones are like verbatim the same you could just like Today at insert track here, insert driver's name coming from insert former series, got to test an insert new series for the first time. Driver feedback was, oh, yeah, great car, great track, great working with the team, really professional organization. Team feedback was so-and-so got up to speed very quickly, really enjoyed his feedback, could definitely be competitive in the series. Job done. Like, I don't know why they even do those, yep. those ones. And then, the, and then the driver never comes back. Yeah, never hear from either one of them. Yeah, there is a certain amount of rinse and repeat. I think in just well, probably in all of sports. Obviously, I only work on in the motorsports world, but I, I see a lot of press releases, and they all kind of read very, very repetitive. So you are, as you say, only in the motorsports world, and at the moment, really only in IndyCar, right? So, uh, what are your three years in? It's obviously grown; it's going well. What are the what are the plans? Sort of the growth plans for Dream Digital? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, my contacts and the people I know, and and uh, kind of our reputation helps us stay in motorsports and expand in motorsports. We've, we've done some work for Penske this year with, with some of their NASCAR drivers. And that's been fun and an expansion that I didn't necessarily think would happen this soon, especially with Penske. I mean, they're, they're a hard nut to crack. They kind of have their, you know, their group and their people and their way of doing things. And they've been nice enough to let us have a crack at a few things and um, have been happy with it. So that's been fun. Um, you know, I think, I'd like to do more in NASCAR or more in IMSA. I think IMSA is probably the most realistic in the next year or so, um, just so with some some opportunities we've had come up over the past six months um, with people over there. Um, you know, and, and we've talked with NFL agencies. Um, there's a group here in town that, that we're working with that we might try and do some stuff this, this season with. Um, you know, I think ultimately you know, where the, the bulk of the money is in this type of business is corporate money. So um, I think where we want to see ourselves grow quickly is um, in those corporate accounts. So some of that may come through racing where we do work for a capstone or a, or a Napa or a PPG or Hitachi or something like that. And, and they're happy with us and then bring us on to do more projects on a kind of a broader corporate scale than just the, the motorsports side of things. Right, right. So you just want to, you want to sell out to the big, to the big companies. Cool. So yes, that's um, the name of the game. Make money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no. that's the point. It's something that 100%. Tim doesn't know how to do. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, or shave, apparently. Um, yeah, I don't understand. I don't know everybody here is not shaved. How am I getting singled out on this? Well, because well, ours are all maintained. Like yes. we didn't shave, but we've addressed what's on our face. You just ignored your face for like two weeks, it seems. And that like is, you have these patches where you can't grow hair. <laughs> so. <it's... laughs> It's not a fair assessment of what's no, happening on my face. Didn't you like trim it one time and it like looked really good? Sure. Are you? Why don't you do you that? Know, again? You know, there's not actually like a lockdown in LA right now. Like you can. Yeah, but I'm still. I wasn't going anywhere before the lockdown, so it's like that's yeah, fair. <laughs> Um, it's not a self-imposed like, quarantine. It's just yeah. like, nah, well, this just, isn't for me, guys. I've been on COVID lockdown for the last fifteen years. Yeah, I, I, I've got a question for you, Brian. Um, why is it necessary for photographers, all photographers, I'm not singling out you or any of your guys, um, it's literally everyone that's ever been to a racetrack. What, why do you always take pictures of us when we're putting our earpieces in? Why, why is or it always socks. Like getting we licked? Look so and then stupid the, with just head socks on. Just a balaclava oh. is one of the worst, most criminal looks that we could possibly have. 
So if, you if you'll notice, just... I, I don't ever suggest we post photos of you in just a balaclava. But it's just, um, this is like an industry thing. And again, this it, it is, is how we've always done it. Why are we still doing it, that picture? Well, I, I can't explain the earplugs thing. So it, the bulk of this kind of stemmed from COVID. So you guys are wearing masks all day at the racetrack, right? So yeah. the only opportunity we get to take photos of you without your mask on when, when there was a mask mandate was those two seconds where you're doing this and pulling that on before your helmet's on. Okay. So everybody was crowding and hammering away. And that's why I think in the past year and a half, you've seen way more of them. Now, it's not okay. a new so, phenomenon. So for the, okay, for the 103 years before that, what was the, what was the deal? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's the, you guys look focused and you've kind of got that like thousand yard stare going on. Um, and some guys are good at giving you that same kind of look when they're just standing on the timing stand. Like mm -hmm. Alex looks mad all the time so like <laughs> the trick it's is easy, is easy all the time. it'd be easy to capture that content with where some other guys aren't as good at, at kind of <laughs> some other guys aren't aren't as good at, at, at kind of guys i think i was that. just called a media darling i think i think <laughs> we've, we've established we've established <laughs> that you do this exclusively to help out the photographers in motorsports so the the puzzle of alex rossi's you know continuous anger has been solved no here's is the that, thing now that i know that, that was i'm just gonna start being happy yep are What's we that? sure no, you're just gonna smile the whole time <laughs> yep no photographers for alex anymore all right that, that's actually a great point i think they would all be so terrified of why you were just walking around like <laughs> if i saw that i'd leave i'd be like yeah. mm. awesome. <laughs> the camera oh, just alex shuts down like that's not compute <laughs> like you you take the picture and you go to like view it and it's just like a blank screen or like his face has been blurred <laughs> out smoke just comes <laughs> out of the camera <laughs> right but i i think the underlying goal there is we're trying to make, everybody's trying to make you guys look like heroes and that's like one of the few moments where you don't have well, the a headset on or, right yeah or you're or you're talking okay. to a crew guy or okay you know, it's just yeah, it's like that's getting the goal. ready for battle. Too. Okay, it's like you're putting in gear. I don't know. So I one like of the it. other one of the other popular photos is like like sliding into the car, right? You guys don't take that photo. <laughs> I don't take that right, photo. Right before drivers slide into the car, there's often like a manual adjustment that needs to be done. <laughs> you know, to make sure what everything. Weight jacker, weight jacker. Right. Just, well, you know, um, get some wedge in there and and make sure. Are we calling it a weight jacker? Do you? So, <laughs> that feels generous. So, do, you, Mike, do you change your camera or something? What do you mean adjustment? Um. What do you mm, think okay. he means? No, he knows. He just wants me to say it for the audience in case they don't know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we have what, uh, what are called anti-sub belts, anti-submarine sure. belts that and go across either leg, and you got to make sure yeah. that your junk is uh, positioned accordingly. Right. So, like, yeah. I guess, I guess, my question is: Is there like an industry, like an unspoken rule that, like, when you're sliding in the car, you know that's coming? Do the guys just like stop shooting for that split second? Some don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on the people. I, I, uh, if I shoot that. I will wait until that's done or frame it. So I don't see that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also awkward to stand that close to someone while they're doing that. And, yeah. You know, no, yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a photo of that. Like, yeah, no, it's awkward. That's, not on, us, that's yeah. not on my list of like, this one's going to be for Instagram. Like, hey, can you, can you adjust again? The lighting wasn't right. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. You're going to run it back. Yeah. Um, that is an awkward, I, I don't know why I've noticed that, that people mm. really kind of hammer in on that moment, but I wait till you start. So I, I have been told by some females that work in the paddock. I'm that so that excited is, to hear where this is going to go. <laughs> that is the moment that they, they pay attention to, you know, because they do. And that they have a list of drivers that know that they know, you know, are packing heat versus the ones that. All right, don't as much. I yeah. feel like we should probably Which is that. awesome. <laughs> so no, I feel like we're about to do like a you're about to do like a David Letterman's top ten here. Like <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not, okay. I'm not gonna name any names and I'm like did they share the list with you? Sure did. Ah. <laughs> well, I mean I know you I know guess. at least one. Yeah, yeah, I know we all know the one. <laughs> no, okay, so like it, it is interesting, like you know, there, there's things that we're learning about each other, and we don't even know it all the time. There you go. 
Um, well, is <laughs> there like a reading rainbow segment? Okay. Like, so, so great in IndyCar paddock. We're like learning about each other. And, but big LeVar playing. Burton guy. Big LeVar yeah. Burton guy. You should know that about and me. Speaking um, of LeVar Burton, <laughs> right. <monster dong>. So <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You Jordy LaForge? No, no doubt. So uh, who like? This was a conversation that came out. I think it was Marshall Pruitt, maybe, I was talking to about this because also does a lot of shooting and is often in the vicinity for that moment. So even if even if you're not holding the, the trigger down at that point, who takes the longest to get all their stuff positioned before they get in the car? Is there one person that stands out as like takes an inordinate amount of time? Like, okay, now you're just playing with it. Like, just get the work done and get in the car. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, Chief, but... Damn it! Is it me? I think it's you. You do. Funny, you know. I'm very long time for a long time, like to the point that I'll be like, my knees are starting to hurt. Like I've been saying this for so long. Like part of the reason I asked is because Marshall called me out on that too. Of the people I work with, it's definitely you. But wow. Okay. So the the people that I've been pitted next to, it's definitely you. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, safety first, man. I don't, I don't yeah. blame you. I, I've <laughs> I mean, never had to wear a cross yeah, belt. I mean, it's, it's, it's a not, long time to make sure. It's not like I've got a lot to move around, so I'm not sure why <laughs> I'm taking probably, so much longer. It's probably because you know you got stabbed the once, so you just yeah, I want to make, to make sure. sure. Man, <laughs> that was <laughs> the number of people. This is so funny. So, like when I had that accident, I, I mean, I didn't understand the physics of the accident and the injury for like a solid four or five days afterwards. Then it all started coming together. And then I forget who it was. I think it was my buddies from Toronto that came to visit me. And one of them finally asked, he was like, so like, is everything, you know, good down there? And I'm like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Like I got stabbed. He's like, yeah, no, no, no. But like, like there, how's everything? Is it, are we good? I'm like, Oh man, I never even thought about that. He goes, "Yeah, everybody's been asking. Like, everyone's dying to know what happened. Like, is are we, like, what's the situation?" I'm like, "No, we're good. We're good." But it it was it was a, an impressively small target for it to hit, right? I mean, it didn't have that kind of didn't have that kind of accuracy. <laughs> I got both my ass cheeks, but <laughs> oh, we're well, like a three minute all... interview and this makes it there. There's there's yeah. well. So there's a funny, there's another part of that story you that can't I don't know any of this, Tim. This is great. <laughs> I don't know. A bit. <laughs> no. the, I, I don't know if you have to cut this part or not, but this is I the other part of that story. I just got to bring in the oil to cut the tip. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the other part of that story. So I had a lot of internal bleeding, right, and and external bleeding too, for that matter. But so you know, when <laughs> when blood just sits in the body, that's kind of what creates a bruise or like a bruise look, right? But so. So I guess a lot of blood just sort of settled in places. And, you know, a day or two afterwards, I went to go to the bathroom by myself for the first time. And I looked down and everything was just black. It was black and blue. Everything from the waist down. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> nobody warned me that that had happened. And that was the thing. And I just was like, what was it? What? Like, no, no, that's just, it's just basically a bruise. It'll go away. <laughs> but for a second there, I was very confused. I like to think that you actually screamed. Like you walked in, and you're like, "Oh God, no!" I'm not you, sure. Wouldn't well, I didn't, surprise I didn't me. Walk, I didn't walk anywhere, but <laughs> I feel like Shuffle. that would be an appropriate time to scream. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if I physically screamed, but I was definitely caught off. The heart rate went up. I was definitely caught off guard. Uh, all right, nobody touch that. Nobody make any jokes because we're we're gonna get in trouble if we make any jokes. <laughs> so let's just let's let that one go. <laughs> I have a question. Go. So, Brian, you did a podcast with James for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Mayor on air. Two years. Mayor on Yeah. Do you, did you, when I'm sure James told you that, like, you know, he was going to do it, kind of continue on his podcast path with Tim and I, please tell Tim and I your honest opinion of what that was going to be like. Cause, I mean, I'm sure I can guess it that it would be an absolute uh, disaster of a horrible train wreck and last like two months and be terrible for all of us. But here we are three years all of later. That was true, except the longevity. It right. is right. a train wreck. It's just yeah. what well, kept it going. Like, are you surprised uh, so we I, made it this far? Uh, 
Well, yes, but not because I think you don't do a good job. I, I'm surprised you made it this far because I thought you, Alex, for sure would run out of interest. Like <laughs> he early did. On in- he, he did. I'm not sure if you've noticed. <laughs> he, hates, <laughs> he hates being here. He's not interested in being here at all. Uh, Nobody's no, told I, him I, that he can just not. <laughs> I thought it would be fine because because here here's the thing. Like it's not like we had some like really elaborate format that like I slaved away on and I spent hours of each week, like on this thing. Like it was literally like we'd get to a track you on Thursday how to do this. And I, <laughs> he probably Googled it. Like I did how to host, how to produce a podcast. Um, but no, I, I, would I, text I James on like, <laughs> I would text James on Thursday and be like, who do you want to be the guest this week? And he'd be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, well, I'll find somebody. Well, we haven't talked to this guy then, yet. How about these, them? These yeah. guests. Yeah. 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 It'd be, uh, and, but then we, you know, we would have uh, the fun live stuff with like the pain crew and all that and stuff at the Speedway. And um, it was cool. I mean, I'm glad to see you guys, or specifically glad to see you're still doing live stuff with the pain crew and live shows in general. I think that's a really cool opportunity for fans to kind of get to see the behind the scenes of the stuff, which is usually, you know, people laughing at each other and making fun of each other nonstop and some of the stuff that doesn't make it to air. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was, I was surprised it made this far just because I didn't think Alex would want to keep doing it. Yeah. No, we're um, and then it would, right. then it would just be off track with James. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you, you wouldn't leave me with them all by myself. Would you Alex? No. Thank you. No, I think that's the only reason we're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, the one thing I wanted people to get a little bit of an understanding of from your side, Brian, is a day at the racetrack. And maybe even like you can even narrow it down to the race specifically, but kind of just go through like, you know, people know what our day is like at the racetrack. They know it's busy. They know it's to the minute. They know there's a lot going on, this, that, the other, whatever, whatever. Um, but like you guys work your asses off running all over to different camera spots and then, you know, dumping and editing tons of photos and trying to make deadlines, stuff like that. So just kind of walk people through what it's actually like for you guys at a, on a race day. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, some race days are easier than others. Um, you know, I think that first and foremost, they typically start early, um, mainly because we'll have a, like a 15 minute warm up at like 8am and then not race till 2pm or something like that. We which also is, love those. Uh, those are my favorite thing in motorsports. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, we're there early, um, you're basically getting everything prepped, getting your, you know, cameras cleaned and all that stuff and ready to go cards emptied and all that. And then basically the way I look at my day is I try to look at each driver's schedule and because we're doing the video blogs for, for Joseph and Jack and, um, trying to find opportunities where we can get a little bit of behind the scenes content with stuff that they have going on. Um, you know, some driver schedules are easier to navigate than others just based on sponsor commitments and engineering meetings and strategy meetings and all that type of stuff. Um, basically, you know, run through those, go shoot warm up, which typically because it's only 15 or 20 minutes, we just shoot from pit lane. Um, just basically grab candids and cars leaving the pits and those kind of beauty ear shots. For Instagram. Yeah. A lot of earplug shots, some crotch adjustment stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. The standard, you know, the, the staples. The, yeah. The, you know, the, the golden photos. Um, and then we, uh, <laughs> you know, head back and, and basically try to get everything ready for the race. So, um, depending on the time of day, you know, we're trying to get posts out to, to promote the tune in. Um, but if it's later in the day, we'll wait till after that, after the, the race is over to kind of post that recap photo. But, um, race starts, uh, we'll all shoot the grid. We'll shoot driver intros, all that type of stuff. And then we basically split up the track into halves. So I'll go to one half, Alex and the guys will go to another half. Um, and then we kind of just work. One person works clockwise, the other person works counterclockwise and you're kind of constantly looking at the app seeing where the race is developing um, and about 20 laps to go, you start trying to make your way back towards pit lane. So you can hopefully capture a win, a podium celebration, whatever it may be um, and all that stuff after the, the race ends. Um, and then depending on what you have to do, if you have to go to victory circle, that's another hour ish of time of, you know, hat dance and interviews and all that type of stuff that you're capturing and then head back to the media center. And then the real start real work starts um, and you're there editing probably for, you know, two or three more hours um, just to get everything that you need delivered right away out to everybody. So for guys like you and, and Jack, and Joseph, that's, yeah, yeah for the press releases, <laughs> um, you know, those are, the, those are images for social media and things like that. Um, and then 
we'll get the bulk of stuff up to the teams that need it for their press releases or for their social. Um, and then we'll kind of head back to the hotel and continue to work on that edit through the evening. Um, it takes a long time to get everything done from a full, full day's worth of shooting. So, um, my, my process has always been, I'd rather be at the hotel or at the Airbnb with a cold beer in my hand editing than sat in the sweaty media center. Um, that smells like, you know, with no internet that smells like deli meats and like, you know, sweaty (laughs) photographers and, um, so I, we usually try to get the bulk of the stuff we need to get done right away done so that we can scoot out and, and head back to the, the hotel or the Airbnb and, and kind of relax and finish up that work. So is it, is it as obvious as it looks in terms of like, what are the easiest and most difficult tracks to do in the sense of like, are ovals the easiest because there's kind of the shortest, this fewer spots to care to cover road courses probably next because though they're bigger they're easier to get around and then street courses are just a nightmare for obvious reasons logistically of getting around yeah i I think getting around you're you're right about getting around i think the the part that maybe gets to be a challenge at ovals is it's four corners right so um there's not a ton of creative opportunity well some places don't do but uh, there's not a ton of yeah, there's not a ton of opportunity to be super creative with that, right? There's only a few things you can do. And in Indy, for example, we've already been there for a month and we've been shooting the same stuff for an entire month. So by the time you get to race day, it's kind of like there's more cars on track, but I shot car today, which is basically the same thing. So it's kind of just there's now there's people here. Um, and so that that gets a little bit challenging to kind of come up with new stuff to do on race day at, at ovals. Road courses are, you know, difficult to get around, but there's a lot more creative opportunity and my personal favorite are street courses. I mean, it, you, you can't get closer to the cars anywhere than you can at a street course. Now, some places it's a little sketchy, quite frankly, like it's a little, little unnerving, um, scary. Have you, have you had call close it. calls with uh, cars coming into the wall right in front of you? Several, uh, <laughs> several, like, like, cause the walls move. Like people don't tell you that. Like when you guys hit them, they move and we're standing like, autumn six inches free yeah so it's it, it kind of makes the heart skip a little bit but um street courses it just depends on the the course each one's different each one has its own kind of unique challenges in terms of getting around but from a creative standpoint like i don't think you can really kind of make indie cars look more violent and awesome than on a street course well there you go i quite there agree you do you know like how many steps you normally do on a race weekend or race day um do you have a I can tell you. Stand by. Imagine, I wear an app. He, imagine he burns more calories than us. <laughs> I mean, there's some tracks he might. I mean, he burned more yeah, calories right. than you did on Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you didn't do it. I was kind of hoping that, like, they were just going to... I was hoping that the car was broken enough in turn one that I didn't have to drive it around because then I could have at least walked back to the paddock and gotten a couple steps in. But at least it was broken enough to where they didn't fix it and send you out 20 laps down. They almost did. I was bolted back in the car. We'll get to that later. So my, my watch apparently was dead on Sunday, but Saturday I did uh, nineteen thousand steps. Nineteen thousand steps. That is it's almost almost like just over nine miles. So okay, so you walk probably close to twenty miles a weekend. Let's call it, which is pretty stout. It's say mm-hmm. at probably an average pace of three to four miles an hour. What is the fastest you've ever driven? Uh, not counting in that sim behind you. No, yeah, well, yeah, that's not real. Um, if it was real, it, yeah. Um, no, it's I, a real I, sim. Uh, it's a real sim. A yeah. sim's real. Um, I went 180 in a in a career GT once, um, and that was you were driving? that was about as yeah. Uh, that was about as that was about as it's my limit. I think. I think like, that was, is that the highest one we've had. Yes, I think so. That's yeah. You that's, win. That's, yeah, At least you, you did win. it in a super safe car. <laughs> <laughs> a car that's like known for being notoriously difficult to drive. And it was a very crashing. straight road. Very, very, very straight road. Um, who's? Are you allowed to say whose GT it was? I would really rather not. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. No worries. It was a rental. Um, well, <laughs> Avis. It was Avis's. Yeah. 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 Sweet. It's part of their president's old, club. You got to choose Johnny it. Avis. And yeah. I would say when I say like I went 180, it like got there, and I was like, nope, that's it. And like, yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah. You didn't have like, to hang the out there. To the right, yeah, the person to the right of me was like, keep going, keep going, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was it? Was it? We'll believe it's that if we have not. 
Um, All right, so we'll bleep that. The bad that on me is who it was, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like the only guy that'd be sitting right seat and saying "go faster" is. Yeah, that sounds like, like terrib- I had terrible zero, influence. I had zero guesses until you said that. But yeah, we'll cut that yeah. part. Yeah, I'll just bleep it. Make people really curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well uh, that was probably the least dangerous thing I did that week. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, that guy lived, man. That guy lived. <laughs> fun guy. Fun guy to be yeah. around. Well, congrats on uh, winning the off-track fastest driving question. That's how, how uh, have I won? How have I won that? Who, dude, that you're make, you're over you're, 100 miles an hour faster than Ricky Taylor. Yes. The second. The so second this is in a street a street car. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. 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 Obviously. Yeah, he yeah. he hasn't driven faster than 80. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy that. You gotta know Ricky. It's yeah, like, and then, and like, the, in the most respectful way possible, like, he's the kind of guy to be like, no, this is this, this is, safe, is the this rule, is the rule, and then that's cool. I don't need yeah. to go faster right now. Yeah, I mean, I also find like most race drivers in their in their streetcar stuff are kind of like, I take my risks on the weekend. I'm gonna, you know, that's. I mean, that's how I operate. Here. That's not how any of the Andretti family operates. I was gonna say, yeah, that's. Uh, so so they, they haven't been on here, then I would imagine they have, they not. have not. So second place is Tony Stewart, and I think he was 130. Yeah, I think something like that. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've beat you, Brian, but... but yeah, I've, I mean, I've also beat you. I don't, have we talked about ours? Our number? We haven't. Um, so mine was... Uh, it's kind of... I don't know the exact. It's between 195 and like 205. In what, what and where? It's a Lamborghini uh, SV700 um, driving on a two-lane road at 3 in the morning back from the San Francisco airport. Yeah, that's getting it. That's yeah, that's, that's getting after it. So I, 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 I saw 195, and then I decided not to look at the speedometer anymore. Mm-hmm. Fair. And then I, I stopped a couple seconds after that. So, so yeah, we'll Some, call it an even 200. Let's just give you an even maybe. 200. Yeah, yeah. 201, just to make it. Clear. I didn't like it. Front started getting light. Like, yeah. it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. See, that's awesome. the thing. I think I was too uneducated to know that I was probably well beyond the... No, that's my a driving abilities, and it's a good car. But uh, but that car, that car is built well. Like I would do it in that. But this Lamborghini was built like very poorly. It felt like <laughs> like it was not engineered correctly at all. I would Jeez. much rather drive a German car. Cheers. What was yours? Mine. So yeah, you <clears throat> blew me out of the water. Mine was one fifty one. Well, the, tr- the trick is you just say it was at a track day, and then no one knows. It could have been outside the track, but. Yeah, yeah, it was on a track day. A track day. Like, <laughs> I think we should work on making your uh, internet faster. I'm literally yeah. like next to the router. This is insane. Maybe you should plug into the router. I, I know I, I keep saying I'm going to come fix this, but I am going to come fix this. I'm going right. to actually come fix this at your house. I look forward to that. I, yeah, I do have a plug for that now. So, Hello, uh, guys. Brian. Brian Simpson, big photographer, big catcher of the ear shots and the he skips the crotch crotch shots. fixes we uh, we appreciate him big for sim that. guy big sim guy um big internet fixer guy um we'll, we'll see our, tbd one of our very dear friends in indianapolis and indycar so thank and you we didn't even get to talk about bourbon yet it. so we'll have to do that next time yeah, yeah. Sounds we good, can, we, can do on. we always talk about the whiskey episode we could do a whiskey episode yeah we should do a whiskey episode tim's on invited. thank you guys this was this was fun. Um, <laughs> this yeah. was something. Was it better being it's, on this side of it rather than the producing side? I mean, you you know how much I don't like uh, being the like, focal point of something. Yeah. Um, right. So it's a it's a struggle. Um, so but why I, I enjoyed it. Several photos of you on your birthday. Yes, that that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's weird getting asked questions instead of. You give very polished answers, though. You can tell you hang out with like drivers during interviews a lot, and <laughs> hear like how they're like your cadence and the tone. It's all it all seems very practiced and polished. So well done, you. Good, because it's not because I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, what's exciting is this is actually going to be the first episode where we post the video footage from the show <laughs> uh, <laughs> in honor of Buzzkill's love of the spotlight. Yeah, Sirius has made an exception for this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna air on like NBC now. I hate you guys. It's gonna be on NBC. It's gonna be pre-race <laughs> uh, before the finale. Yep. 
And weirdly, it NBC, won't be any worse the than the NBC cooking shows we did three years ago. Say, I, but I don't want to be on NBC talking or telling James that he adjusts his crotch the longest of anybody in IndyCar. That sounds like gonna I'm going to start thing. paying more attention to this. I really feel like there are others that must take at least the same amount of time. I thing. feel like your oh, lack oh, of attention hasn't been the problem, James. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'll tell you what I'll time the guys I work with. OK, and then we'll then we'll we'll, we'll circle back on this. Okay. So I'll be work. out there with my phone, like. <laughs> <laughs> we also didn't talk about the fact that Tim and I went to the same high school. That's true. We did. We're both Panthers. Our Tudor Panthers fighting forward. Oh well. To a Panther victory. No one cares, honestly. The team that fights the hardest. <laughs> That's the way it will always be. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You're I'm welcome. super. You're I'm super welcome. glad this I'm part is over. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean fit. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.